Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that the theory of evolution adequately explains the origins of the universe and the origins of us as human beings? Well, today we're going to look at that question through three different lenses. The first one is going to be scientific. Does science prove the theory of evolution to be true? Secondly, we're going to look at this through our logic, through our human intelligence to see if, if our logic can get us there. And then lastly, of course, we're going to look at this from a biblical perspective and find out, is it possible, even possible to be an evolutionist who is also a theist? In other words, someone who believes in evolution, but also believes in an almighty creative God. So let's get started with the podcast. All right, before we get into the topic, I want to explain why on earth we would talk about evolution, the theory of evolution. And what I want to do, I want to start doing this once a month, maybe once every other month, is I want to have a, a message or two on what you would call apologetics, what you would call apologetics. Apologetics is your ability to logically defend your faith in Jesus. See, when you're talking to somebody that doesn't believe in the Bible, you can't always use the Bible as a means to connect with the person because they don't believe in the same Bible that you're, you're talking about. And so we have to logically understand why we believe what we believe. It's important. And that's essentially what apologetics is. Apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia, which is basically a defense to defend your faith, to defend your faith. Now, I'll tell you this. Generally, you don't have to defend God. God doesn't need to be defended. He can defend himself. But you need to be able to defend what you believe in. And so we're going to have a lot of interesting topics, and I won't name any names, but somebody in this congregation inspired me to do this. Somebody was asking, you know, if somebody asks me, how do I know if the Bible's the right thing, how can I answer that question? And somebody asked a similar question, how can I defend that God exists? How can I defend a, a, a myriad of different things? So we're going to be talking through some of these things, not straight through, but every month, every other month, take up a topic like that so that you and I, we can defend our faith because we need to be able to do that. In 1 Peter 3.15, I like this. Uh, you know what? Go back. I, I want to look at this statement here. Apologetics. Look at this. It's the removal of intellectual impediments. <laughs> you know what an intellectual impediment is? It's a doubt. It's a question. It's a rationalization of something. Well, we need to remove those from our faith so that we can enhance the confidence that we can have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Logic to a Christian is not a bad thing. Christians, I believe, should be incredibly logical in how they think and how they d defend their faith. And so that's a lot of what apologetics is. Now let's go to the next slide. First Peter um, 3.15, it says, but and I love this in the Amplified Classic Version. It says, but in your heart set Christ apart as holy. That's a spiritual side of you. We need, we need to address the spiritual, and we do that all the time in church. But it also says, 
always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks for you to account for your hope. Give a logical defense. And so there's nothing wrong. In fact, there's everything right with having a logical mindset as a Christian. I believe that with all my heart. So with all of that said, let's jump into our first topic that we all need to be able to defend. And I'm not going to say defend against, and I'm not going to say defend for. I'm just going to lay the facts out to you about the theory of evolution. And hopefully by the time you walk out these doors, you can have a solid understanding of why you believe the theory of evolution is right or that it's wrong. Let's jump into this. So first of all, the theory of evolution, all right? What is a theory? A theory is a supposition. What is a supposition? Well, it's an uncertain belief. (laughs) And I think a lot of Christians have a supposition of Jesus. It's an uncertain belief. But you as a Christian, you should have a firm belief in Jesus. But theory is a supposition or a system of ideas that's intended to explain something. And in the case of the theory of evolution, what you're trying to explain is the blasted origin of the universe, the origin of humanity. That's what evolution is trying to explain. It's a system of beliefs. It's a supposition. It's an uncertain belief. And we'll explain why it's uncertain here in just a second. At one point in the mind of Sir Isaac Newton, as he watched an apple fall from the tree, he came up with a theory of gravity. He said, hmm, it's interesting. Every time that apple gets loose from the tree, that always goes down. It doesn't go up, it doesn't float, and it doesn't go sideways. And so there was this theory that began to be in his mind, a supposition, an uncertain belief that this always happened. But as Sir Isaac Newton began to test this theory, he came to the conclusion that it was no longer a theory, but it was the law of gravity. It always happens. If something gets pulled down hard enough and it's not, uh, it's not attached to something, it is going to fall to the ground. If I trip, I'm going to fall on my face. It's the law of gravity. Well, let me tell you something. Evolution continues to be a theory. It's not a law. It's taught as a law in our public school systems, in our higher educational systems, but it is in fact still a theory, and we're going to explain why. It has not been consistently proven to be true is the reason why it's still self-admittedly a theory and not a law. So it continues to be this theory, this uncertain belief that tries or attempts to explain the origins of the universe and you and me. Now, this theory didn't originate with Charles Darwin, all right? This dates all the way back to Greek philosophers who were toying with the idea, the theory, the uncertain belief that possibly all of this happened somehow and evolved and we just came into being in a very strange and unusual random way. Now, Charles Darwin did give this theory feet, and I'm not, no pun intended. (laughs) He gave this theory feet and through his publications, the, the most known is on the origins of species. So what I'd like to do today is I'd like to walk us through three perspectives and assess, you and me, let's assess the theory of evolution 
in 30 minutes flat. That's how easy this is going to be. All right. So I'd like to look at it through three lenses. I'd like to look at it through the lens of science. I'd like to look at it through the lens of logic. And I'd like to look at it through the lens, obviously, of the Bible, because we believe the Bible is the truth, the truth. But first, science. What about science? Well, an evolutionist's mantra, in other words, their, their war cry, all right, is this. Science has proven evolution. Therefore, evolution is true. And since evolution is true and Christians don't believe it, then Christians don't believe in science. (laughs) Therefore, Christians aren't rational people. Well, do you believe that? (laughs) Do you think that's an accurate depiction of the facts? Well, let me, let's start. Let's, Let's kind of tear this apart. Let's unpack it and let's see where we end up at. An evolutionist belief I've tried to condense into a single sentence, and we'll throw it up onto the screen here, and it's this. Life came from non-life by itself and began to randomly generate new genetic information through mutations and over a long period of time produced through natural selection everything that you see, including human beings. I'll take a breath. It's a long sentence, but I think it really boils down what evolution teaches. Now, here's, the, here's my premise. Here's where you're going to start hearing some, some thoughts. There's nothing about the theory of evolution that holds up to science, and I'm going to prove that to you today. It hasn't been, nor can it be scientifically proven. In fact, it is greatly opposed to science. And let me explain why. Science has to do with observations where you test and you repeat the testing, just like as Isaac Newton did with that that apple. You repeat it until you can consistently prove that it's true, and then it becomes a law, and then you can teach it in science class with great conviction. The problem is that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) School children, school teenagers, little ones, mothers with little ones that will be in school. I hope you're listening carefully to me. So let's look at this, continue through the scientific lens, and and see if what I've just mentioned, what I've just stated, you think is true or not. So here's the first question. Do animals and people and plants and microorganisms, do they evolve? Do they change? And the answer is Absolutely they do. Absolutely they do. Darwin himself observed that the beaks, uh, the size of the beak of these finches that he was looking at, changed due to these environmental pressures. If any one of us studied plants or animals, we would see what's called microevolution, changes, adaptations that have to take place because God made us to be, able to, 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 to be able to adapt. Even moths changing colors because of environmental issues that affect them. But this is microevolution, and microevolution does not prove macroevolution. And when I say macroevolution, I'm talking about changing of a, one species, let's say an ant, into a reptile. 
Microevolution does not prove that. It just, there's, there's, there's micro adaptations, but macro adaptations is something that science has never proven. Let's continue on with this, this thought pattern here, this thought process. Never has it been scientifically proven that something comes from nothing. Nothing. This has never been proven. Not in a test tube, not in space, not in a lab, nowhere, anywhere have we ever been able to take literally nothing and create something. And yet, that's the basic premise of evolution. That's the basic premise of evolution. What we do observe is that life always comes from life. And that's the fundamental uh, premise of biology. The science of biology is that life comes from life. Biology has never proven that nothing can produce life. Also, it has been scientifically proven that living organisms actually lose their genetic information. They don't gain new genetic information. And, and so this is an observable process that we can look at. And let me, let me put it to you this way. For me, if I could get new genetic information, I could start growing a fish gill. I could sprout wings. I could have a third arm or a third eye or another ear. But that doesn't happen. That's not provable that new genetic information can be added to an existing organism. It's not provable. Nothing can't come, something can't come from nothing, and we can't have new genetic information added to us. It's not been proven. That means an amoeba cannot evolve into a, a man or a woman because new genetic information can't be added to them. What have we observed? We've observed that fish are fish, dogs are dogs, rocks are rocks, and humans are humans. That is something that we have observed and can scientifically prove. So, without the ability to prove the basis of evolution, <laughs> those two things that I've already gone over, we are left with no answers about the origin of this universe or the origin of you and me. No answers. No answers whatsoever. So what about the age of the earth and all you hear about you know, the, the fossil record and carbon-14 dating and, and radiometric dating. What about all of that stuff and the dinosaurs? What about the age of the earth and that you hear that the earth is millions of years old, billions of years old? Well, recently, a few years back, some scientists went to Mount St. Helens. Now, Mount St. Helens is a mountain there. It's a volcanic mountain in, um, in Washington. And they took, there was a big old volcano. Some of you may not, weren't around when this happened, but in 1980, that mountain erupted and there was a major volcano and it created some volcanic rock. And so they took uh, the, the radiometric dating techniques that they have for dating the earth and saying it's so old and they, they took these new, relatively newly formed rocks and they used a radiometric approach to, to see how old those rocks were. And it came back that those rocks were 10,000 years old. So what does that tell you about the approaches that scientists are using to date the, the age of this earth? Obviously flawed because those rocks were 30 or 40 years old and yet this dating mechanism was telling us that it was 10,000 years old. 
the earth is much, much younger than what we're taught in school. Much, much younger than what the media tells us or what movies tell us. I'm telling you what, when we get to heaven, we're in for a big shock for the things that we were taught in school. Hopefully we're in a big shock before we get to heaven and we learn these things now. Here's the other thing about the fossil record though, is there's so many missing links. If evolution was true, then we would see this, even if there was big jumps, we would see intermediate species, you know, uh, uh, an ape reptile or a reptile bird or any number of halfway species out there that we would find in the fossil record. The fact of the matter is there are none. What paleontologists have found is a bone here, a tooth there, a piece of jaw, and then what they turn into, they go from science to art, and they begin to draw up what this thing must look like based on half of a tooth or a piece of a bone. None of us are intelligent enough to be able to do that. And there's plenty of whole animal fossils out there to be able to tell us what was when and where and what kind of species were at that time. So the conclusion is this. Instead of proving evolution, science has actually disproved evolution if, in fact, you're going to use the laws of science to prove something. What about logic? All right, so here's been my experience with logic. Up until 12, 15 years ago, I was scratching my head and wondering about evolution. Legitimately thinking, is it possible that we did evolve? Is it possible that there's an intersection of creationism and evolution? Is it possible that I'm crazy and God doesn't exist and we did come from nothing? Is all, are all of these possible? For me, recent doubts that would kind of plague my mind. And I'll never forget walking through out in the country and thinking to myself, if I ran across a piece of cellophane, piece of cellophane material, I would never ever think to myself, oh, I bet that cellophane just created itself and came out of nothing. Logically, that would never even cross my mind. I would think to myself, if I was going to think anything, Somebody manufactured that, and the wind blew it out here into the country, and I'm going to pick it up and put it in the trash. All right? There's no way that a piece of cellophane could just create itself out of nothing. Even if it was given two billion years, it, it couldn't happen. It would never happen. The logic doesn't work. Here's the other thing. Creative design. Somebody thought about how that cellophane could work to wrap something, maybe a box. And they had a creative design about what size and how it would fold and how it would stay, you know, moldable or, or foldable. Without a design, does anything ever come into useful existence? Does a painting ever come into existence without somebody thinking about what the painting was going to look like in advance, and designing it, and then painting it? Does a building ever just come into existence without first an architect trying to figure out how that building will be built and what it'll look like and where the pipes will go and where the lights will go and how the rooms will be configured? Does, does a business plan or a legal document ever come into place without a businessman or a lawyer coming up with a design of the legal document? No, of course not. 
There's creative design in everything that's useful. Randomness never creates anything useful. Same goes with the hairstyle. <laughs> if somebody has pretty hair, it's because somebody made that pretty hair look good and figured out what that would look like in advance. Random mutations, as described by an evolutionist, do not result in well-designed things, period. That's logic, not science. That's just pure logic. Now let's talk about probability. If I were to take my watch right here, take a sledgehammer and beat that watch into a million pieces, go and get all the little pieces, put them in a bag, and over the next two million years, thousands of times a day, dump that watch on the ground, would that watch ever come back into the, the way this watch is right now? There is no probability of that ever happening. You see, logic tells us that evolution is simply not possible. There's zero probability. Now, here's where I used to struggle with. I heard this Christian, this Christian science guy, not Christian scientist, but a Christian, excuse me, a Christian scientist, not a Christian science person. But anyways, he put up on the screen that there was 0.0000000000001 possibility of this ever happening. And you know what that did for me? So you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance that evolution happened. There's zero probability of it happening. Zero possibility of it happening. It is not logical in any form or fashion that it would ever happen. Logically, mutations do not create anything lasting or progressive. There is zero probability that evolution explains the origins of the universe or the origins of humanity. So why? Why on earth is our government, our agencies, our education systems so bent on teaching our kids and teaching us that evolution is the origin of mankind? Why? Do you know? I'll tell you what. There's a humanistic tendency in all of us to try to get God out of the equation. All of us have this tendency to try to explain things without God. And when you take that to the nth degree, you have to come up with something for evolution because the human mind has to know where we came from. You have to know, you want to know where I came from. And if God isn't part of the equation, I've got to rationalize it or philosophize it with something like evolution. That's why. So then we turn to the Bible. We turn to spiritual things. And we try to find out from the Bible, what does the Bible say about our origins? Now, nowhere in the Bible does it teach evolution in any form or fashion. However, there are theist evolutionists, people who believe in God, but also believe in evolution. And I would tell you, those poor people have not read their Bible. <laughs> they haven't read their Bible. They should, but they haven't. Evolution and creationism cannot and should not be reconciled. They're, they're mutually exclusive. They, they bang up against each other. They don't work with one another. So in Mark 10, verse 6, let's find out what the Bible tells us. This is interesting. It's interesting that I'm not starting in Genesis. I'm starting with this Mark 
10.6. But look at it. It says, but from the beginning of creation, at the beginning of creation, at the first part of creation, man and female, male and female, he made them. God made them. It doesn't say that man was a million years later or two million years later or three million. It says at the beginning of creation, man and woman were there. That already kind of begins to debunk this, this myth of creationism that God basically, he, he put the raw materials together and kind of, you know, threw a big old mud pile out there into space. And, and then he gave nature evolutionary power to start creating planets and species and, and all of this kind of stuff. That's, that's what a, a creation, kind of a creationist evolutionist believes, but that's simply not true. Gen- according to the Bible, Genesis one thirty one, God saw that all he made right after he created all he made that it was good. And then there was evening and then there was morning and that was the sixth day. So if all of this is true, because what, what, a, what an evolutionist will say is, well, the Bible says that one day is like a thousand years to God and a thousand years is like one day. And so maybe when God was saying in one day, he was really saying million years was one day and the next day was another million years. That's not the case at all. That's taking the scriptures completely out of context. But look, it says, on the sixth day, literally, the sixth day of our existence, of the universe's existence, God saw all that he made, and he said it was good. Now look at this. If each of those days was millions of years of period, so that the sixth day was like, you know, nine million years later, how could God say that something was good? Because if you look at the fossil record, you find destruction, you see disease, you see horrible tragedies happening through the fossil record. How could God have said that an evolutionary creation thing was good? Doesn't make any sense. Genesis 1 and 2, we're told the events and the order of creation, and there's two primary acts of God in creation. One is God, in fact, took and made something out of nothing because he was God and is God and can do that sort of thing. We can't. Science proves that we can't, but God can. (laughs) Here's the other kind of creative activity that God did in in these uh, these first two chapters of the Bible. He produced or molded something from something else. He did. So in some cases, he made something out of nothing. In other cases, he took something existing and molded it and fashioned it into something by perfecting it. So let's look at these two examples of creating something out of nothing. In Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. In other words, there was nothing. And through that nothingness, our creative, all-powerful, almighty God created something. Only he can do that. Only he can do that. And in verse 20, we see that God said, let the waters teem with living creatures and let birds fly above uh, above the earth. And it says here in verse 21, so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing. And it's very apparent here that he created these creatures out of nothing. His powerful, creative abilities created 
these creatures. And it's interesting also in this verse, he says, according to their kinds, by species. That's how God did it. He created all the species and he didn't allow the species to now then evolve and create into another species. He didn't do that. From the very beginning, every species on earth was created. Here's the second creative element of God is that he produced something from something. And this is interesting. I, I read something here that I don't think I'd ever noticed before. One thing I had, but the second thing I hadn't, it says in verse 11 of Genesis 1 that God said, let the land produce vegetation. See, he used something, the land, to produce something else, the vegetation. Pretty neat stuff. He also said in verse 24, interestingly enough, let the land produce living creatures. He didn't fashion living creatures that weren't in the ocean or in the air. It appears to me that he, they were produced from the earth. So he took something and produced something else. And again, according to their kinds, he did this. In Genesis 2.19, it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild uh, animals and the birds of the sky. I stand corrected. It's, it also includes the birds. So it's interesting. The Bible is completely in contradiction with evolution. Evolution says that we evolved one animal from another animal to higher being to higher being until we became humans. But here it says that didn't happen. We were created from the, the animals were created from the earth. They were created from the dust of the earth. He formed them from the ground, not animal from animal. So, so an, a person who's trying to reconcile creation and evolution is broken right there because the Bible goes completely counter to anything that we'd learn in school. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And this completely blows the theist evolutions out of the water. You can't be... I don't believe you can be a Christian and an evolutionist at the same time. Your belief systems are completely destroyed and encounter one another. So the question, I guess one of the last questions that I had as I was studying this, is what about the fossil record? What about what is, is obvious here? We've, we see fossils of animals and, and, and human beings and, and, and obviously cities and all kinds of things that are dated to way back when. What about all of that? And it's very easily and very scientifically explained by the great flood of Noah's time. Very easily explained. The fossil record does, or the fossils do not necessarily have to take a long time to form. Scientific observations have shown that with the right conditions of a quick burial by water and, and mud that fossils form. And this has happened. I mean, this is scientifically proven. So this explains the massive fossil graveyards uh, where we find land and sea creatures buried right at the same place. This explains why there's fossil tracks of a large creature and there right at the end of his tracks, the creature is also found as a fossil itself. This explains why if you go up into the Himalayan mountains in Nepal, you will find fossils of shellfish. It's very well explained by a worldwide flood that occurred and is actually... <laughs> Been, uh, been pretty well proven in and of itself as well. I'll tell you this, it takes more faith to be an evolutionist than it takes to be a born again Christian. 
honestly. It takes more faith because you're going against science. You're going against logic. And if you're, if you're any form of Christian, you believe in the Bible, you're absolutely going against the Bible as well. It takes more faith to believe in evolution than in an all-powerful, creative God. So the theory of evolution, and you say, Steve, you're coming on so strong. Come on, man. What, what's up? What's your agenda? My agenda is our school system. My agenda is U.S. agencies that are shoving this down our kids' throats day and night. That's my agenda. If they can be passionate about a lie, I should be able to be passionate about the truth. Are you hearing me? It's time. And I'm telling you, if it's young parents, you better be prepared to teach your kids. If you're going to have them in public school, you better be prepared to teach them the truth because they are going to be barraged with lies, barraged with them. And grandparents, same for you. You better be praying that your kids are teaching, your, your kids are teaching their kids at home and making sure they're getting a good dosage of the truth. But the theory of evolution defies and insults the sciences of biology, chemistry, and physics. It insults the laws of nature, probability, and logic. It insults your human intelligence. And it certainly defies the biblical records and God's holy existence. So if you struggle with doubt concerning evolution, as I did, don't feel condemned but do something about it, all right? Do something about it. If you're struggling, you're saying, Steve, you didn't quite get me there. I'm not, I just don't know. There's a, there's a possibility, there's a probability, and I've been taught for years about the theory of evolution. I just don't know. Then do something about it and start studying some resources that I'm gonna throw up here on the screen that we're ordering to have in our library so that you can study and get there where you need to be yourself. Don't just sit there in your doubt and wallow in your questions. Do something about it. Look at some of these resources. I love this one. Answersingenesis.org. Completely free, on the internet. Tons of articles, tons of facts and things that you, and there's a whole kids section there as well, things that you can use to get your mind straight on this theory, and I will call it on this lie of evolution that we've all been taught. Dr. Joe Martin, excellent. I mean, done all kinds of stuff and, and, and has this one book that, that we are recommending, The Evolution of a Creationist. <laughs> he used to be a diehard evolutionist, and through his own studies and his own work, he became a creationist. It convinced him. He convinced himself. God convinced him. Then there's this DVD series called Incredible Creatures That Defy Evolution. Our families watch many of these. You look at them and you say, there's no way these creatures could have evolved. The natural selection process would have completely wiped them out. But yet, here they are today. Science in the Bible, another good one. And then this one that we, we just recently discovered, the new book, Over 25 Questions on Creation and Evolution and the Bible by Ken Ham. So... If you have questions or you feel like, I don't know if I can quite defend myself, do something about it. This recording is going to come out in a couple of days. If you say, well, I didn't quite get every, all those notes down, listen to it again. Pray to God. Study the Bible. Use your logic. Use your human intelligence. And certainly use the laws of science to figure out 
why on earth would anyone of any level of intelligence believe in the theory of evolution to prove or to explain the origins of this universe or of me as a person? What do you guys think? Some things to think about, right? Excellent. Well, that's what we want. Keep your brains turned on and don't just accept every little thing that's shoved down your throat in the society. Do you, do you hear me? Don't do that. Don't do that. That's a big reason why we need Jesus is because lies are constantly pelting us and we need to be apologists, defenders of our faith, to be able to, to stand tall and strong. Things are going to get tougher before they get easier and we need to be prepared. Let's pray. Lord, Father, we thank you, God, for this time. Lord, I thank you, God, for, uh, Lord Jesus, first of all, for the Bible. Lord, the Bible tells us in great detail, Lord, how we came out, how, how we came to be, Lord. And there is nothing, Lord, historically, there's nothing really archaeologically speaking. There's nothing that disproves the Bible or any of the historical veracity of the Bible. And we're grateful for that because it just continues to be proven true over and over again. Lord God, and then you gave us brains, and those brains are to be used to not simply receive what some elitist 